My name is uh, Pastor Danny, and I serve as the executive pastor here at the church, which means when you talk about money, I, I'm thrilled. Because, yeah, I'm the one that pays the bills. Tina and I, she's on the soundboard back there. We work on the finances of the church. So I handle that. I handle all the HR for the church and things like that. So, so that's my role here at the church. I serve Pastor Ed and do everything he doesn't want to do. Oh, that's, don't tell him I said that. He began preaching a series called Built to Last um, about the church, that we need to have a church that's built to withstand issues, withstand problems. And that's what this is all about today, is building the last, building a church that will always be here and will always stand for Christ. We're going to be in Colossians chapter number 2 today. So if you want to take your copy of God's Word, and we'll look there. So last week, Pastor Ed talked about leadership. And there's characteristics that the church has to have in order to last, and about our lives so we can be effective Christian leaders, and leaders of not only of ourselves, but of other people. As we continue following Paul's letter to the Colossian church, he begins to paint a picture of what a church should actually look like, and what he desires for the church to be. And he he did a bunch of them. I remember traveling to Turkey and did a study tour on the churches of Paul that he built. The Footsteps of Paul was the name of it. And it was fascinating to go to churches like Ephesus and places like that and to see where Paul imagined everything he walked and the streets he walked and the Colosseums that he, he worshipped in and, and was beat up in and all these things because Paul did a lot for us. So as we get ready to read chapter number 2, starting in verse number 1, just a minute, today's title of the sermon is The Marks of a Mature Church. And if you're gathered in our auditorium today, if you're online, and we are blessed that you're joining us online today, we want to be a mature church. If we're an immature church, things can creep in and cause issues, can't they? If you think about your situation, wherever you may be, and, and you think of immature people, that are around you, sometimes it could be funny, sometimes it could be taxing, and sometimes it can create problems, especially when things of disagreements come aboard. All of a sudden, immaturity really doesn't work well, does it? So these passages that Paul provides are things that are necessary, the things we need to focus on in order to have the kind of church that will be spiritually mature. So Galatians chapter 2, verse number 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face. So Paul is writing this letter, and he's, he's telling these people he loves them even though he hadn't seen them. That's kind of hard, isn't it? It's hard to love people you've never met, but if you love Jesus Christ, automatically you love. We'll talk more about that. Verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Jesus Christ, in whom all are hidden, all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude, means believe something that's not accurate, you with plausible arguments. So the first thing we're going to look at today is what a great struggle I have for you. The verse is clear demonstration of Paul's love. And I believe it's a great example for you and me to follow each and every day of our lives. He suffered and struggled for people he'd never even met. 
Can you imagine that? Knowing of someone in a whole other region, another area, but because you love Jesus Christ, you're going to struggle because you want the best for those people and you want them to be spot on with their doctrine and what they believe. Paul just didn't love the institution of the church. He loved the church because who's the church? You are. This is 225 Avenue B Northwest. That's the building. You are the church. Pastor Chad often refers to the church when he preaches. And the church are all of us. That's what the church is made up of. So we're told in the book of Acts 20:28, pay careful attention to yourselves and do, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. So that's the gospel message. That's what we should be proclaiming every Sunday, every Wednesday night with the kids, every time we're together, we proclaim the gospel matches because that's important for us to know. It's important for us to take it serious and understand the weightiness of it. So the thing we're going to take a look at first is a spiritually mature church. What makes the church strong? Mature is a strong faith, even the difficult times. And that's what he's talking about here, that their hearts may be encouraged. That their hearts may be encouraged. Paul says his purpose, he's willing to struggle. And the purpose he's willing to do all that is because he wants their hearts to be encouraged. It means to be strong. It means to be strengthened, established. So Paul is saying that a mature church should be established in their faith. Regardless of what comes along, you can withstand it. You can, you can handle it. You can take care of the situation. So often today, the believers that make up our church today get discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged? I'm not asking you to raise your hand because probably 99.9% will raise their hands. Were you discouraged? I get discouraged. And it's easy. It's easy to go down that road, isn't it? You've heard the term misery, loves. Yeah. You get along somebody else that's not happy, and you can have a heyday. And it's easy to have when you're with other people. Listen, we're not a perfect church. I, I will never stand here, Pastor Edwin, we'll never tell you that Heartland's a perfect church. It's not. Why? Because people are in it. The pastors aren't perfect. Pastor Ed's not perfect, even though you may think he is. None of us are perfect. And because of that, we have to be careful that we have solid faith in these difficult times because easily we can badmouth one another, can't we? We could be disillusioned. We could be disgusted. We could not be happy. Maybe a change in direction. Maybe something you don't like or, or whatever the case may be, personality conflict. I deal with them all. So we have to be careful to be mature and to have that understanding. Listen, 1 Peter 5, 8 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, <laughs> knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Listen, we're not alone. We're not a perfect church. But how we become a perfect church is by what? Being mature, having faith, and having love. You know, it's, it's amazing. The, the relationships that Bobby and I have built here over the last nine years. Nine years now. Crazy, isn't it? My how time flies. Some of you guys are looking older. <laughs> I'm looking older. And by the way, I'm feeling older. 
Nine years. And we've built some serious relationships in this church that when it comes time to me to retire or for me to move on or you leave, it hurts. It hurts. I remember when the Apostle Paul was at Miletus and get ready to leave that he was crying because they were getting ready to move on. And Paul was moving on to his next... And he was crying. It, it hurts. So we appreciate you guys. We appreciate all you do at this church. You make up this church. And we want to encourage you. We as in the whole pastor, pastoral staff and staff of our church want to encourage you to please grow in love. Grow in faith. And help us have that perfect church. Colossians 2 says it again, that the hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. And that's just so important. That second mark is to make it love. So having faith and having love. That shouldn't be a surprise to you. The Bible's crystal clear in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men of angels, but I not have love, I have a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Do you know somebody who lives in your house with you that sounds like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? Because they're just talking a bunch of stuff. Now, I'm not talking about my wife. <laughs> what my wife says is authority. And I listen. <laughs> She's not a clanging gong or a bell. <laughs> yeah. I'll get in trouble when I get home by that one. I always have at least one service I do something wrong I get in trouble for. And I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And I have all faith so as to remove mountains but not have love. I have what? Nothing. That's how important love is. If I give away all I have and if I deliver my body up to be burned, giving your whole self up, but not have love, I've gained. Is love important? It doesn't matter what kinds of gifts or abilities you bring to the table. It doesn't matter how often you come to church. It doesn't matter if you serve, teach, lead, pastor. If you have love, don't have love, doesn't have anything. 1 John 4 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Woo! Man, I hate not to be known by God. I would hate not to have that love that God provides. After all, he sent his son to die on the cross. It's important. It's big time. So that verse is saying you have to be in love and have love in order to be in God's family. We're not part of the church if you're not love. So it's, it's very serious to take. So having faith and then having love. Practically speaking, what should heart look like? I'm glad you asked. It means we treasure each other. Look at the person next to you. Just left or right. Look at him real quick. Look back up here. Do you treasure that person? I see some. <laughs> and your couples, come on. <laughs> treasure one another. That's, that's what we look at. And I'm not talking about your spouse or your kids. I'm talking about other people in the church. You might think, I can't stand that person. You've got to work on it. You've got a heart problem. We truly celebrate the gifts and blessings others have without resentment. Man, I want to celebrate. When somebody comes up to me, and I hear it all the time, we just got this, or I got this raise, I got this. Man, I want to celebrate with them. I'm excited for them because good on you. God bless you. But if you 
get resentful of somebody who gets a promotion or a better job or a better house? You've got a heart problem. You need to work on that. You should rally with each other in times of sadness and loss. Rally. Get beside somebody. Get excited. Or help them. You know, we've had some deaths in my family over the last few years. And, and I've everyone taken an opportunity not to say thank you. You all have been stellar in coming alongside of my family and I. And we will really, really appreciate that. You all have rallied. You all have shown my family and me love. And I want to thank you for the bottom of my heart. We allow people to have bad days. You know, it's okay when you have a bad day. I call it molly grubs. My wife looks at me and says, you got the molly grubs today? I say, yeah, you got a problem with that? <laughs> I'm not keeping track, but I think she has more than I do. Norma, you know, she works at the church too. And Norma, she's got duties that she's doing. Evidently, she gave up the duties to be here today. <laughs> the list. Listen, for real. It's okay to have bad days. Uh, to be a mature church and, and to work on that in our lives, we have to be quick to forgive. Now, forgiveness is difficult. There are some in here today that may have not have talked to their parents in months. There are some in here today who haven't talked to a kids or kids to parents or grandparents, whatever the case may be, or, or just a friend in months because of an issue or a problem, misunderstanding, disagreement. If I understand what they're saying here quickly, you're not supposed to do that. I encourage you today, get out of the service today, pick up the phone, go by somebody's home, make it right if you want to do what God is telling us to do. And if you're attending Heartland or, or a Heartland member, that's what you need to do because we want to show the love of Christ. We act in kindness before each other. Kindness. We defend each other. That's hard to do sometimes is to defend someone. We are willing to do things differently than we may otherwise choose for the honor of Christ, which means you have to be flexible. Flexible. Again, we're not a perfect church, but we really work hard at it. Really, we do. We've got a great set of pastors here and a great staff, a huge volunteer force that we just simply cannot do it without you. I believe that if we do all these things, we'll be well on our way to be united in love, don't you? And to be united in love, we can deal with just about everything. Really, we can. Really, we can. You know, you may be a first-timer here, and you heard of the minute ago. But what's our mission here at church? To love Jesus, love each other, love our world. I know that at Heartland we try to do that. We try to do that, Brian. But do you really mean that in your heart? David Meck tells a story in National Geographic about Arctic wolves and how they hunt in the Arctic. He described how a seven-member pack of wolves targeted several musk oxen calves who were guarded by 11 adults that weigh an average of 800 pounds. Little wolf, 800 pounds. Okay? You get in that picture? And you can go on and do a search on, these, on this video and watch the video. As the wolves approached 
the baby calves, the musk oxen, bunched in an impenetrable semicircle to block the wolves from getting to the calves. Their deadly rear hooves facing outward, and the young calves remained safe behind the guard. But for some reason, a single ox broke rank, got nervous, spooked, scared, and all the adults scattered. What do you think happened? The wolves got in, and not one calf was left alive. We have to have the mentality of that at our church. For the people who are weak, people who are struggling, people who may not be getting it, Galatians 6.1 says, you who are spiritual, come alongside those that are not, gently restoring them. We, as the believers who have strong faith, we, as the believers who have united in love, we need to make that semicircle and protect those behind us. Small group leaders, are you hearing me? Small group leaders, heart group leaders, Bible school teachers, whatever the case may be, you're part of the the, the musk oxen, and you're ready to protect. Don't break rank. Don't disperse because you leave the ones behind. 800 pounds, and a wolf can't weigh more than, at the most, probably 120, 110. They should have never penetrated and got this calves. Are we protecting each other? It's no different to it, to, uh, for us today. Wolves continue to come to the church. Wolves continue to take over, infiltrate, infiltrate, and do their, their thing to try to disrupt the unity of our church. So maintain a strong faith so you can deal with the difficult times. We're united in love in order for us to be a mature church. And it's characterized by knowledge and understanding is the next one characterized by knowledge and understanding. And it talks about to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. You know, as we move through these verses, what are we seeing? A progression. Paul says, my purpose, the reason I'm willing to struggle for these believers is because, even though I never met them, is because they may be encouraged in heart. Encouraged. The reason Paul wants believers to be encouraged in heart and united in love is so they will have the full riches of understanding. Now, I've, I've been a Christian since I was a little boy. Long time. Been a mystery. 27 years. I still have mysteries. Been the seminary. I still have mysteries in my mind about some things because I don't know it all. The Bible's full of information. Still trying to learn it. Still trying to understand it. It's a lifelong process, isn't it? It's a lifelong process to dig in, understand, and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal information to you. You remember the Gnostics were teaching untrue things about Christ. We have to understand and have that full understanding. And you can only get that if you're truly under biblical leadership, solid teaching, solid foundations. It means that you have to have Christ part of your life each and every day. The implication here is that if we're going to be a mature church comprised of mature believers, we need to know Jesus, not just about Jesus. And you, you can have some people come to your door and knock on your door and want to tell you about their religion. And they're going to tell you about Jesus. He's a good prophet and good man. But then you ask them, what has Jesus done to your life personally? Things change, don't they? 
There's a shift. We have to embrace him as Jesus Christ is our Savior. Listen, if you haven't done that in your life, if there's not the crossroad or that, that, that circumstance in your life, you may not know the exact date and time, but what situation can you really honestly say, I was saved. I made the decision on this occasion. I was at summer camp. I was in my mom and dad's bedroom. I was wherever. If you haven't done that yet, some of this stuff may be difficult for you because you're not quite grasping it. I encourage you to take care of that today, and you're going to get an opportunity at the end of the service. Know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven based on the blood of Jesus Christ. After all, for a mature church, if we have mature believers, that's part of your responsibility. James 1.22 says, but be, uh, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if Heartland's going to be a mature church, it will only happen through mature members. How does that happen? I'm glad you asked. Studying God's word. Studying God's word. That's gaining the knowledge portion. Prayer, communicating with God, and by doing God's word, which is personal application and action and love by serving and doing your part. Again, we have a bunch of things to do in this church to make it happen each and every day. Every Sunday it takes over 200 volunteers between the tech team here, children's workers, safety team, parking lot, a bunch of people. If you're not doing anything, I'm just asking you to serve. I'm asking you to do your part. A spiritually mature church has people who are in discerning and confusion times, confusing times. Have you ever remembered in your life a more confusing time than today based on the last two years of what we've been through and what we're going through now? It's crazy. Very confusing times. And what's he say? I say this in order in Colossians 2.4. I say this in order that no one may delude. Delude means hold to a false belief. You with plausible arguments. Remember the situation of the Colossian church. Paul was writing them because he was requested by an individual to tell the church because the church was having a difficult time. Paul knew that if their faith was strong and if they were united in love and if they were characterized by knowledge and understanding and that they could be discerning the confusing times would be the end result. Difficult times right now, guys. First Timothy says this in first, or chapter number four, now the Spirit expressly that in later times, later times will be depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of the demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Or also in 2 Timothy 4, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears, but they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Verse 4, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wonder and to miss. As for you, 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 always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Wow. Wow. That's, great. That's a great challenge for us. Bottom line is, endure the confusing times and be prepared and keep your eyes on Jesus. What do we need to be careful of? Six things, and we'll close the message. Not everyone who sounds like an expert is one. Not at all. What makes an actor, just because they're popular, makes an actor or an actress an authority on something? They're not politicians. They get up there and talk about science and technical things. They're not scientists. So what, what gives them the credibility for us to listen? 
Just saying. There'll always be people who talk authoritatively about God's word but have no idea what the Bible says. <laughs> could be friends of yours. Could be family members. Number two, something that sounds good is not, not necessarily something that is good. My mom always used to tell me, if it sounds good or it sounds too good, it may not be good at all. <laughs> good advice. Most deception comes brightly colored packages. Remember, Satan was considered the angel of light. We've watched and see beyond the po- watch and see beyond the polished words and slick presentations. Three, most deception minimizes or seeks to eliminate any talk of sin or responsibility. Sin is something we need to deal with. Having responsibilities in the church is something we need to deal with. Four, deceivers will diminish the character and person of Christ. They may talk about how much they love Jesus, but if you ask them about their testimony and describe what their life is without Jesus, there's no difference. Have to watch out for that. Five, deceivers draw deep meaning from obscure passages of the Bible. In other words, they they take scriptures out of context to make it fit for them. Got to watch for that. You could be deceived quickly. Six, deceivers seldom have lifestyles that match their profession. (laughs) It happens, Pastor John, doesn't it? We see it. You get somebody who talks a big game, and then they get involved with this process, and all of a sudden you're scratching your head saying, "Uh uh-uh, something's not matching up there. Listen, guys, if we're going to survive as a church, if we're going to handle the diversity and the problems, we have to be ready. We have to be with a strong faith, united in love, characterized by knowledge and understanding, and discerning in confusing times. Remember, the church consists of who? The people, the believers. It all starts with me and you. At the end of every service, we give a time of invitation, and that's what we're getting ready to do right now. We're going to have a song, and you're going to be asked to do one of four things. One, pin a cross, pin a request on the cross. There's pen and paper there. Go up and pin. There's already some up there. Pin your prayer request. Pin your praise report. Pin if you made a decision today. And let us know every Monday morning, every request on the cross, every request that is written on the seat back in front of you in those cards, every online request is read individually. Individually. Number two, that was it. Seat back in front of you. Fill those out. You can put them on the cross, you can put them in the boxes at the exits, or you can give it to me, give it to a pastor, give it to a staff member. We want to be able to take care of you. If you made a decision, we want to pray with you. Remember, we talked about this. We want to celebrate with you, but we can't do it until you tell us. If we don't know, we can't do it. Thirdly, altar is always open. Come on down and pray. And last, there's prayer team and staff in the back. When we stand to worship for our last song, that Kristen is going to lead us in. Go to the back. Grab one of the people back there with a lanyard and let them pray with you. That's what they want to do. That's what they're there for. And that's what they're committed to. Do one of these four things. Ask God to bless you. And I encourage you, please don't leave the building if you don't know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven and that you're saved and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Kristen, 
like this kid. We talked about serving a minute ago. Meet Kristen. Meet mom and dad. Both on the stage. What's that mean? I know I'm out of the light. Sorry. Could have been worse. I could have gone down on the floor. Wouldn't it be awesome if you were serving with your family somewhere? Uh, coffee cafe. I don't like coffee, so I'm asking you to drink it. We're asking you to pour it. If you and your spouse, you and your mom, you and your dad were in the coffee cafe, I mean, anywhere, just name it and do it. But I'm blessed when I see family up here, and we've got many family members that are up here. So thank you. Thank you guys for serving. We appreciate you all. By the way, the band has to be here at like 6.15 in the morning, early morning. <laughs> She's going to be in trouble tonight. I'm going to tell her husband. She's going to do a song called Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. And it's a special song. I've heard the first service already, and it's awesome. It really communicates to your heart. Allow it to communicate to you. Allow Kristen's voice and this band music to penetrate your heart. Open it up. Open it. Man, it's hard sometimes. I get it. But open it. Open it. How the song course goes is thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. I hate darkness. I hate darkness. This is, your, this is your chance right now to bring the light on your heart, to bring the light to your relationship. Maybe you're trying to figure things out. Look, I can't say anything more than just tell you. You've got to, got to understand what love is because that's going to be the, the key to open up all relationships, all healing, all forgiveness, and all these things. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to turn it over to the band, and I'm getting out of the way. Father, this has been your service since day one, since minute one. I pray you use this time right now that we consider the, the, the call to action or invitation, whatever the case may be. I pray you use this band. I pray you use Kristen's voice to open hearts and minds to make a difference so we can be a mature church and we'll give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's all stand and worship together.